<clears throat> so Mary, listen, it's 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 great to have you here. Welcome. I'm really pleased that you are, you've been able to join us today. I'd like to start by just maybe asking a fairly broad question about you know the state of higher education in in the UK right now. Where do you think it is? Ah, well, there's about a million angles that I could answer that question on. But I think if I was thinking of the kind of the mood and, and morale of the sector, I feel that's probably a bit low at the moment. I think it's had a very, very punish, you know, right across the sector for different reasons in different types of organisations. But I think it's had a pretty rough ride during the pandemic. Sense of optimism now that students are coming back on campus and things are getting back to some kind of manageable normality. But I think the big challenge for the sector is to kind of get back on the front foot. Yeah. I feel we're a bit browbeaten at the moment. Yeah. You know, the media just week after week beating up the sector, usually about online learning, actually, not realising how much investment and how much sophistication has gone into working out how to deliver teaching and learning to students in online, in person and in some kind of mixed mode way. Yeah, so I feel like the sector needs a bit of a boost right at the moment. I yeah. think a successful first term, very worried about the potential strikes, which I think could be very, very damaging coming on top of you know, the privations that all the students have suffered over this period and yeah. on the whole have been incredibly resilient and stoic about it. But I think if we had a bunch of strikes now disrupting teaching and learning and assessment, that would be really difficult to get through. It has been a really challenging narrative, hasn't it? Because yes, there's been the pandemic and all of the issues that that surfaced, but there are longer term challenges as well, isn't it? The whole narrative, for example, around student debt is really difficult for the sector right now, I think. Yeah, and it feels a little bit as if everyone's the sector's kind of holding its breath and we're, we're led to believe that this October with the comprehensive spending review that we will get the, the full response to the AUGA report about yeah. what the government intends to do about fees and funding. And, you know, there's ver various people kind of predicting whatever they think might happen next. But I feel like once the sector knows yeah. what the settlement is going to look like, it'll be able to move on and actually plan with a little bit of certainty about what the financial underpinning of the sector is going to be. Because without that, it's really hard for universities and, and providers to plan anything more than term to term, year to year. Yes. And, and as you mentioned, coming out of the pandemic, there were some huge challenges facing institutions at the moment with that, aren't there? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And it really worries me, the sort of media narrative that universities have been able to save money because they're not delivering lectures online and stuff. But when I see the investment that some universities have made in trying to make the best of a really difficult situation, it's, it's quite astonishing. Yeah. It's quite astonishing. Yes. Higher education, I've always found really interesting it seems to be a sector very much that, that, that measures itself in terms of prestige and actually some quite traditional models of and like, traditional ideas of what higher education is and higher education teaching is and, and, and you mentioned the extent to which the pandemic has pushed forward the online agenda i mean how how do you think the online agenda will 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 play out now what, what are your views on that I think there's probably two camps. I think there's one camp which I am sometimes in, which is worrying that the sector will kind of breathe a huge sigh of relief and just go back to how it did things mm -hmm. before. My more optimistic 
viewpoint is that actually there are such positive learnings because universities have had to deliver online learning and online assessment particularly actually and i and i really hope that some of that is brought into optimizing how students learn and how we teach them and how we give them the skills to do the kind of independent learning um, that's expected of them. And that's that's where I think technology can play such a huge part. Obviously, it's different for institutions like USEM that are fully online anyway. I think there are some challenges around all of that. But for the traditional sector, the big ask is that they, they're able to take the good, that the learnings from the pandemic, and project that forward. Because I think if, if they can do that, actually it'll be better for students in the end. Yes, I'm really interested in the extent to which this whole issue in higher education parallels you know, companies and businesses across the UK yeah. who are also coming to terms with you know, a return to the office or the return to more traditional modes. I mean, do you think higher education can learn from businesses or do you think that businesses can learn from higher education on this experience? Oh, well, that's a, yeah, that's a, an interesting question. You know, undoubtedly, the world of work and how people work and how companies interact with their employees has, has changed enormously over many years. And all of that got kind of amplified and accelerated, I think, by the pandemic. Do I think higher education is fully ready to kind of step into a modern world? Probably not, actually, because higher education is very different. You know, the, the, the corporate form of, high, of traditional universities is very, very different, not least because of the kind of democratic governance yep. structures that un, underpin the model. So I think my sense is that universities will always operate slightly differently. The interesting bit will be the extent to which colleagues want to come back into the office and kind of back to the old days or have colleagues actually found positives and benefits from being able to work more from home and how will the university sector respond to a kind of a more hybrid type of working and I'm sure I'm sure that's on every every everybody's agendas at the moment I'm sure it is. and and it must have huge implications for I mean certainly for the traditional universities for the for the campus the campus life and the campus experience yeah for a long time now certainly since 2012 when the the fee model meant yeah. that you know universities were basically their income was derived mainly from fee paying students i think there's been a lot of emphasis on investment in the physical estate i wonder whether we'll see a shift in balance towards investment in the digital estate yeah I think a lot of universities have still got very, very shonky IT systems. You know, no doubt a lot of on-prem servers, a lot of spaghetti, some very, very big technology teams yep. working. And much of that cost and effort is probably keeping the trains on track yep. and doesn't leave much headroom to do development work and get onto a kind of more digital agenda. So, yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Mary, you've had a, a hugely distinguished career in higher education, education generally and, and, and higher education especially, taking many leadership permissions and, and you are now uh, a commander of the Order of the British Empire, I, I understand for which. I am indeed, I hope you're on best behaviour Andy because I'm feeling quite commanderish today. Point taken. <laughs> <laughs> so look, I mean you, you, you have a huge amount of experience uh, to draw on, what advice would you give to somebody who's starting out on their career today? Gosh, so I always think of careers as being in two parts, partly the role you play. Yeah. So in my case, let's call it 
general management or senior leadership. And then the other part of your career is the sector that you play it in. Now, in my case, I did senior leadership roles in biotechnology, the food industry, the licensed retail sector. And it wasn't until I was 40 that I got the education bug and realized that that's really what I wanted to do. Yeah. That's when I thought I want to exercise my skill, I hope, as a senior leader in the education field. And that's when I first started taking quite deliberate steps to make that possible, not least, by the way, getting myself a degree, which I thought would be helpful in in getting into a senior role in education. So I think sometimes the mistake made when people are advising people about careers, you know, take something like law, which is a really popular degree to take. Do people realize all the different ways that you can exercise your skills in the legal profession and it's not just in-house or working for a, for a law company it's not just in the courtroom or on the high street yeah. it could be would you would you be an in-house lawyer at um, a company like UCAS or University College of Estate Management or would you be a in-house legal in the pharmaceutical sector or would you specialize in intellectual property or risk management so Law is a a knowledge base, but there are multiple ways that you can exercise that. So my feeling is start out, try a few things out and don't be don't be worried if you don't find your slot until a few years after you've graduated. And careers have changed enormously, haven't they? My father retired from the same company he joined 55 years previously, and that was the norm for that generation. Mm. But there is a lot more flexibility there, there, and and the rise of portfolio careers. Would would you advise a young person to go into a portfolio career? Well, I think it's genuinely a viable option for young people. It used to be for old chooks like me, you know, once we've kind of stepped off the executive treadmill but now what I see is a rise of a kind of professional gig economy where people can very readily market themselves and their skills to multiple clients and multiple employments you know so they might have a a main hustle a secondary hustle and a side hustle all all running in parallel and perhaps be founding their own startup at the same time and I I think of them as the no-collar workers you know you really only need a decent laptop and a broadband connection to get started in in some of these fields. I feel it's also put a very different slant on the fear or the idea of being unemployed, because actually lots of people can find ways to earn money through piecework, project work, websites where you can offer your skills. And I I think the onus is on higher education providers to equip their, their students to understand that they can do this and give them the skills to to make the most of it. So yeah, very very different. I mean, I had I've had five jobs in my career, and now I look at CVs and you see that people are doing multiple jobs. They're moving more often. They're constantly looking for new skills, new experiences, and perhaps also things have changed after the pandemic as well. Yes. So this idea of 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 working in a discipline, but working in many different industries and and carrying that with you it makes the decision about the subject of study for young people a really important decision doesn't it when they come to choose a levels when they come to choose higher education so what advice would you give to young people when thinking about 
the subject of the study because that yeah. does feel like a really critical decision. Yeah, I'd almost flip that round and say that the onus is on universities to make sure that it doesn't matter what you study, they'll make sure you've got some of those foundational skills that, that, will, that will get you through a multifaceted yeah. career. Having said that, for students, I still think doing the subjects that you're best at yeah. and that you enjoy most is the best way to get successful grades and and progression because you know if you think of somebody going to university thinking oh well I must do something kind of boring but important because it'll get me a good job you know when you when you've got to spend three whole years maybe even four years studying that subject if it isn't your passion if you're not interested in staying up all night arguing the toss with your peer group if you're not interested enough to read all the reading that you're supposed to do how are you, how are you going to succeed and enjoy so yeah i still i still think follow something that you're really interested in and and good at and then demand from from your university or your provider that they give you the other skills as well that's really sound advice because the world has too many boring but important people and what we actually need in the world is people who inspire and people who can lead yeah. Who has ins who or what inspires you? Oh, Blumenek. So this this sounds a bit uh, weird to say, but but my dad, yeah. uh, in a funny sort of way, um, because he wasn't ambitious for me. He he probably thought that I would you know marry someone and never work. I'm that sort of age, Andy. Yeah. Yeah. And you know I loved him dearly and I miss him terribly. But you know he said to me when I was little, he said, "Oh, darling, you know." Um, men are more intelligent than women. <gasps> and as I went through my career, I'd come home and say, oh, Dad, I've got a new job. And he'd say, oh, when are you going to get a proper job? <laughs> he'd say. And he said it thoughtlessly and no doubt with love. Yep. But it always kind of spurred me on, really, to, to prove him wrong. <sighs> and I think, think by the time I ended up in UCAS and all, all his friends were ringing up for advice about their grandchildren I think he took a slightly different slightly different viewpoint of it all that's marvelous absolutely marvelous Mary it's been a real pleasure having a chat with you thank you so much for joining us today well thank you and it's wonderful here to be at the University College of Estate Management and I've really enjoyed our chat